Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review Raw and SmackDown, but also NXT, AW, Dynamite, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week, complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review Monday Night Raw. And Hamlet, very quickly, your thoughts on, well, last night's show and WrestleMania Backlash, too. I haven't had a chance to chat to you about this yet. Uh, <laughs> WrestleMania Backlash is easy because if you don't cover it and you take a day off, you can watch it in about an hour and a half, cutting out all the nonsense. Um, I don't include the zombies in the nonsense. Like, you know, I have to watch it. I have to provide some critical analysis. No, I don't, because this product is immune to critical analysis. I thought Backlash was like every other WWE pay-per-view in the pandemic era, especially. It was too short to piss me off. But if I wasn't numb to WWE's nonsense, I'd like I'd be devastated with the state of that lumberjack match. Absolutely devastated. But I'm just numb to it now. I took like a passing glance at like Twitter after the fact as well, like yesterday afternoon. You fool. Um, people had like sort of 14, 16 hours to sort of figure out the thoughts on this. Nobody's really got any, have they? Like, it's just, like, people are shrugging at zombies in the Thunderdome, and that's it, isn't it? That's that's the that's the sort of most caustic thing I can say about WWE, is that they made people shrug about all of this. Bruce Pritchard on a Something to Wrestle, I think it was like Backlash 2006, might be, like, the God angle was probably what he was referring to, and he was suggesting that it was like, satire and parody and films and television do that stuff all the time and yet like we as pro wrestling took grief for that and his line was and i'm paraphrasing but it was something like along the lines of it's just a bit of dash just enjoy it and then move on and that will be the thought process that will erode audiences for like decades and decades if that if that remains prevalent in this company and we're led to assume it will like it will because when you know it was zombies, like how offended did people used to get uh, way, way, way less convoluted stuff than zombies eating people's flesh and brains on a pay-per-view? <laughs> like you could have a match where two people work the neat, two matches in a row, and there'd be outrage because they used to be standards. There are none anymore. Otherwise, fine. 
It's funny you should say shrugging at zombies because when I was um, asked for my thoughts on that exact moment on the Raw Preview podcast, which you might as well listen to, it's got my voice on it, even though it's completely out of date, wherever you get your podcast <laughs> from, iTunes, Spotify, etc., etc. I watched it on the delayed broadcast at about half three. God, the things I do for you. So I thought, right, skip all the entrances. Oh, they're going to do the pools that they do all the time. Yep, don't need to see that. Saves me a bit of time. Thank you for that. And I didn't get the constant links. And this show was, show was brought to you by Army of the Dead. So I just skipped through it, watched the matches. And if they mention it on commentary, I tune it out. And when I saw the zombies, I didn't see any of the backstage skits because I just thought, Morrison, right, it's going to be rubbish patter. Um, when I saw the zombies for the first time, not the first time they were on the show, the first time I saw them on the show, I just thought, oh, cool, they've got zombies because they want Damien Priest to be like a metal guy. And zombies are kind of metal. Maybe they're thinking that. That's what I thought it was. I didn't think it was a cynical tie, and I just thought it was something they would do without needing additional cash to do so. Anyway, let's talk about this absolute bobbins, which is essentially WrestleMania backlash, backlash. <laughs> I, I couldn't get over waking up to the news story today that they were like, oh, well, they were they were chaos backstage, not only at WrestleMania backlash, but on Raw this week. They were they were writing the show. It still wasn't finished at half five, and I was like, what were they? changing around this was, <laughs> it didn't feel like a show like that was booked at the last minute it just felt like every raw ever didn't it hamphlet well, that's because yeah. every raw ever's booked at the last minute so yeah you know this this whole dramatic like visual we've been fed where vincent man comes in and like tears the script up do you think when he does that like underneath that torn script is just last week's one and he says i've got this new thing for you right here here you go <laughs> like that's all he's doing is he's just he doesn't realize that that was the one he tore up last week it's the repetition here is such that about about a month ago, like slightly before WrestleMania, um, I was looking like it was a midweek sort of thing. And I was looking for a match that had happened on Raw to mention in an article that we'd reviewed. And I watched on the WWE's YouTube channel something like three and a half minutes of the match before I realized it was from a Raw two weeks before that. <laughs> like, like the Thunderdome aesthetic, obviously buildings look different, all that sort of thing. There are, you can give them like, a partial pass for that. But otherwise, the presentation, the wrestlers involved, it wasn't until like it was creeping close to the finish. And I was like, I know a minute, why has he gone over? That's not how I remember this. <laughs> and I realised it was just because I was watching a different version of an identical match. Like, all that's on them. That can't possibly be on us as reviewers or regular viewers that are still expected to tune in in their numbers of 2 million or whatever. That can't be on an audience to have to like you know, make excuses for this sort of laziness. I've got nothing to add, so just talk about the crap show and I'll talk about my thoughts on the crap show. Uh, well, we started with uh, Bobby Lashley showing uh, arriving, walking through the back with many beautiful ladies. Uh, MVP walks out, introduces him, flanked with the, with the women, uh, and they showed a video package. Uh, of, of Lashley retaining the WWE Championship in that bonkers match at WrestleMania Backlash. Uh, MVP puts him over, says Braun Strowman's got broken ribs. He's at home nursing them. And Drew McIntyre was so devastated with the loss, he couldn't even get out of bed this morning. He said it's Lashley had been thrown through the stage, but still came back and won the match. And not only that, he got a hurty fist from smashing his opponents. Um, Lashley said the almighty era is never going to end and MVP said look I wanted Lashley to have the night off tonight but Lashley's so bloody happy with himself he wants to issue an open challenge 
McIntyre's music hits. He comes out ready for action. Uh, McIntyre says, you can impress your beautiful ladies if we have a match right now for a championship or something like that. MVP <laughs> uh, says, oh, I forgot to say, <laughs> it was for anyone, the Open Challenge, other than Braun Strowman and Drew McIntyre. Uh, Lashley goes to attack him. McIntyre ducks, sends Lashley out of the ring. The women are terrified. They leg it out of there and they sort of jaw jack uh, as the opening segment concludes. Michael Zidrick, your thoughts? I've got three. I've got three thoughts. My first thought is one. Can you imagine John Moxley just coming out like the win it that Drew McIntyre looked here? It's like you got to be clean in the middle at WrestleMania. You didn't really get cheated out of anything, but the triple threat mechanics mean that you then have to do a singles match. Can you just imagine John Moxley just coming out week after week after week, just being this entitled guy who got beat clean in the middle at WrestleMania, laying a claim to this title that he lost clean in the middle? No, because they can book. They can realize, right, okay, it will look like, one, it'll be a boring match if we do that, so we're not going to do that. We're going to move Kenny on. Two, John Moxley will look like this entitled dick that's not worthy of getting behind if he just comes out like this entitled dick, like we're making Drew McIntyre look. So I hated that. Two, this is Seamus's thing. This is Seamus's thing that he does or has been told to do. So that's my second thought. My third and final thought on this was, you know what? As a hook, maybe you can give this credit. And you know what? There's no maybe about it. The whole idea is now that they don't book week to week, month to month, even year to year anymore because it's a content factory, right? We can't analyze it as a wrestling company anymore because it's unworthy of analysis so instead their strategy and they've been doing this quite often on raw maybe we don't pick on it enough pick up on it or pick on it enough um depending on your perspective because it's so cynical and it's so myopic but their new version of long-term storytelling is to tell a story over three hours once a week that often bears no dramatic weight whatsoever with the idea being that they are trying to retain the audience over three hours and they want each hour to have a consistent demo. And this is their strategy to do it. I personally prefer caring about things beyond a week, but this is what they do now. And this is a decent version of what they do because the idea of an open challenge, it evokes memories of a debuting star from NXT, for example, or a returning star from yesteryear. On this occasion, it was a guy who'd already had a match. But you didn't know that at the time, so you kept watching. <laughs> I yeah, I like this divide. Like maybe something will happen next week that'll sort of justify all of this. But I really quite like this device until they blew it. Like I know we're gonna jump ahead a little bit here, but about six people said, Oh, maybe I'll take up the open challenge. Let's say it was six. And then five of them didn't. So what of those five? Like, why did the ones, your Damien Priests and your Seamuses and the like, why did, what what effort was made to illustrate the hows and whys of why they didn't come out? Like, why, what, you know? Okay. So, so for the spoiler, but you've either watched or you don't care enough to watch and you just listen to us. When Kofi comes out at the end, where's the others in Gorilla being like, I want it. And then like, they're, like a fight breaking out that you could actually justify. Because mm. all of them have laid a claim. This open challenge is open to anybody. They all want it. It's, it's you know, ostensibly for the belt. Um, yeah, really love the idea in principle because I thought it gave 
like unusual agency to several characters on this show to look like they had purpose again or look like they actually wanted to do their job for a living. Uh, and then they didn't stick the landing. And I was really quite disappointed with that. Uh, and I, maybe, I don't know, maybe this is going somewhere. What is What I wasn't aware of, by the way, until this morning was that the... So next month's Hell in a Cell, isn't it now? Mm-hmm. So my thinking was, like, these are all going to be Money in the Bank contenders. And they're all going to... This is how they're going to start staking their claim to being Money in the Bank. Well, we didn't get the shot that we wanted to get. Uh, you know, just whingy WWE bollocks where they're getting that match instead. And then it's like, oh, no, it's Hell in a Cell. So it can't be that. <laughs> so maybe a Damien Priest <laughs> last week, I uh, did away with John. I said I was going to have a title shot. And then I didn't. See you in eight weeks, money in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like they've just blown it. So there might be more to this, but I just thought, yeah, a half decent idea that was like only half executed. And like the, there wasn't there a gap as well when MVP said, Oh, is he facing? There was like a pause. Like, I know that's traditional, but like, wouldn't you be like, Play my music then quick because someone <laughs> else's music's going to get played rather than him going, huh, Guess no one wants to fight him. No, loads of people want to fight him. They've all, they've all said earlier on in the night preposterous this um but yeah I, we could all see where it was going at once McIntyre wasn't allowed to be in the match you knew he was going to get involved in the match but we'll get to that in due course we'll move on next to randomly AJ Styles versus Elias yeah skip I'm skipping this <laughs> I mean I pretty much did <laughs> I just thought wait I know they were on a team and oh maybe they don't get along anymore but I was like who are we meant to be cheering for in this match Preposterous. Went 12 minutes to a DQ. Pointless. Utterly pointless, this match. Style set up for a forearm. Jackson Riker pulled him off. Almost chased Jackson Riker up the ramp. Elias attacked Styles. Almost chased him away too. Utterly bloody pointless. And 12 minutes into the Raw review. Enough of all that. It's now time for this. It's short. It's crap. It's wrestling related. The five-star review review. Nailed it. And this week's five-star review review is brought to you by Coach Marv. Thank you once again to Coach Marv for the lovely review he has sent us. Uh, He sent us this email uh, regarding all this. Uh, He said, it's been a tough spell for all of us, but despite losing two family members to the bastard, you guys have reignited my love for wrestling, and I can't thank yourself, the Dadleys, and everyone else involved enough for all that you do, you've created a community that's brought so many of us together as we look forward to the tireless banter each day. Thank you so much for that, Coach Marvin. Sorry for your loss. Um, for this week's five-star review review, I'll hand it over to Hamlet to go over something of his choice. A thank you for his tireless optimism. Keep up the great content, lads. Stay safe. Keep being you. Thanks and kind regards, Marv. You want your name associated with a five-star review review, by the way, if you want to suggest something short, crap and wrestling related, or just pass it on to us and make us make the horrific decision. Uh, what culture wrestling, wherever you get your podcast from. And then on iTunes, leave us a five-star review. Hamlet, what do you want us to uh, talk about today? Thank you, Coach Marv. And I share those condolences from Wilborn. And we see a lot of the support that you chuck us on Twitter as well. So thank you very much for that. Um, I that sort of wrestling encyclopedia nickname that you've given me means that a lot of this nonsense cycles through my head. It rolodexes through on a daily basis. So I just I didn't know where to go with this sort of thing. It was in my head, <laughs> in my head, zombie, zombie. I can't get enough of them. I wanted to talk about a zombie that I didn't shrug at. 
I wanted I wanted there to be a time where people could still be disgusted about people coming to eat other people's flesh on a wrestling show and that's <laughs> not being okay. Talk me through the backstory to the ECW zombie then. <laughs> ECW was back. Um, the, the, the tribe of extreme has been unleashed and already I hate the branding. Um, it was on sci-fi where they'd got a network for it, um, which you know the people involved at the top didn't even really want, but it was a Vincent Mann call. They wanted it as an online thing. They thought it could have somehow still been a bit of a niche concern, but it was going on television and it was going to be bigger than ever. And due to the sci-fi uh, cross-promotion, they wanted... They pitched an alien, which w, even in 2006, WWE had standards. And they're like, nah, too stupid, too stupid. So much so that the alien prop thing they'd set up for this was like used on a raw a couple of weeks later. And Vince himself pied it off in a segment. Google Vincent Man Alien, you'll see it. He just like, I forget what he does. He just looks at it with disgust or something or contempt. He was like, I'd never let anything as stupid as that on my product. So the compromise was made when they said no to an alien with a wrestling Zombie instead. Sorry, I've just, just seen the image of yeah. with a green mask on, which says this man gets meet, meets an alien. Yeah, that was deemed too stupid for pro wrestling, um, and the compromise was one zombie, not a ring surrounded by them. <laughs> this was on the opening show of ECW, wasn't it, Sitch? Yes. The idea, I think, was, right, okay, there is network intervention. Of course, I just want to echo the condolences to Coach Marv. And again, thank you so much for your support. Like, it really is nice when I see you all underneath our replies and even starting conversations amongst yourselves, like the community of fans. It's an actual glimpse of humanity in the cesspool mm. that is Twitter. So thank you so much for that. It really does give us joy to, to read those. Uh, we lurk. We do goddamn lurk. Um, yeah, I think this was a cake-eat-it moment. Right, okay, network intervention. People will not like this, so let's batter with incredible violence this thing that they will hate. So it was an attempt, really, to serve two masters, and I can't hate it because, realistically, it just looked so brutal. So, yeah, out walks the ECW zombie through the crowd, what some pissed up ECW fans just shrug in the background. And Taz and Joey Styles are like, what, what the hell's this? Wait a minute, Joe. Joe Styles, what the hell's this? And the and, uh, uh, the announcer goes, the zombie. <laughs> like everyone's going to be like, oh, that's who it is. Get in. <laughs> Taz says, uh, zombie? Is this a rib? What is this? And Styles, ever the professional, says, I can assure everyone watching the world premiere of ECW on Sci-Fi, the zombie is not, not an offering of ECW or Sci-Fi. And Taz says, hey, I spent a lot of time in ECW. What the hell's this? I never saw no zombie. <laughs> I'll say this, he's an ugly looking SOP. I don't think he's going to unleash, that's for sure. Hey, I'm the human suplex machine. How you doing? Uh, uh, the, the zombie gets on the mic from Justin Roberts. Uh, of course, that's what, he was the announcer. And just goes, uh, in my brain, right? He said brains when I, when I remembered this. He didn't. He just goes, uh, did you know, right? We've seen quite a bit of this. Um like before they were famous cameos in mm. WWE. Um, like Johnny Gargano, 
Um, Matt Jackson did a dark match or a squash match, sorry, against um, the Big Show, I believe it was. Obviously, you've seen MJF get shunted to the to mm-hmm. the, to the wall by Samoa Joe. This was um, Dominic Dijakovic, T-Bar. <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me of like a gruffer version of Wilborn doing his Charlotte Flair promo voice. Make sure, by the way, later on in this podcast, you come straight to me for T-Bar's promo. My okay. God. So he goes, and Taz goes, oh, that's riveting right there. What the hell is this guy about, huh? What's this, what's this, schmuck? What's this schmuck doing, huh? I don't know what's happening here. No, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, God. Style says, this is laughable. What the hell is that? And then she, it felt like an, it's a two-minute video, this. And honestly, it felt like an eternity before the Sandman's music hits. Uh, but then he does come out through the crowd uh, with a sing- signature Singapore cane and what have you. Um, and Taz says, zombies are like the living dead. Well, you know what? He might get his wish here in a minute. Check who's in the house, Styles. And the Sandman walks through the ring with his cane, as I said, and his can of beer uh, and just cuts to him in the ring. The zombie starts walking towards Sandman and just gets nailed on, on the head with the cane. Goes down. Uh, Sandman just batters him on the floor whilst Taz says, welcome to the world of extreme ECW rules styles. Uh, do it any way you want. And the Sandman hits a uh, Russian leg sweep with the cane wrapped around uh, the zombie's throat. While Styles says, look at that, the white Russian leg sweep. And uh, Sandman gets the pinfall victory. As Taz says, thanks for coming, zombie. <laughs> and was this, am I right? I think this is the first official match on ECW on sci fi pamphlet. That sounds right. I know that the first ECW started with a promo train. It's like Edge. Rob Van Dam came out and he bantered off the WWE title. I like this one. It spins and he just flicked the belt. Um, and then Edge interrupted him. And then I think John Cena might have interrupted him. So I reckon this was the first match. Yeah, I, I, I'd need to give that. I'm pretty sure. God's sake! But I, you know, like it's quite funny that all that powder came off him, wasn't it? That was good. It was good. Like, I like my favorite bit about this was the assault and battery. <laughs> Just absolutely pulverized this guy. Like the the Singapore cane shot was bad. The first one, he just like, tries to impale his head. <laughs> I'll also, hit him. I'll hit him until this gets good. <laughs> when I researched this, by the way, one of the like suggested videos or the alternative videos when I just typed an ECW zombie was uh, ECW zombie versus Boogeyman at some indie show, and it's got five million views on YouTube. It's probably all Vince. He loves them both. Uh, so we go to the comment section once again. These do not reflect the views of myself the Dadley Boys, or anyone at What Culture Wrestling. Uh, three years ago, uh, Navtej writes, <laughs> well, at least the zombie cuts better promos than Boom and Reigns, and fan of the brand 332 responds, as well as Finn Balor, your strong-style virgin Mark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Underrated how great every bad Roman Reigns nickname is. Bomberman Reigns. I, I love them. Like, they're so terrible. Oh, God. Uh, Rico Smith writes, 
Who else busted their own foreheads up on some Dr. Pepper cans like I did when I was a kid watching ECW on a Sunday morning? Not me. Sunday morning. I love it when the kids get up. Like, they'll sometimes give you, like, minor at the age now, but they'll sometimes give us, like, an hour's grace, and they'll just come downstairs and put Netflix on or something. Imagine walking downstairs and it's just, like, they bust themselves wide open watching Paw Patrol or something. Like... <laughs> just a trickle of blood. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> hey, Timmy, it's time for church. Hey, one second, man. <laughs> I split my own face open. <laughs> Give me a Dr. Pepper from the cooler. <laughs> Notorious Ian. <laughs> Notorious Ian writes, Sandman's that guy in your neighborhood who didn't have a pot to piss in, only listened to ACDC, but would fight anyone. Yeah. I read that and went, but he wouldn't listen to ACDC, would he? <laughs> Colin Malone, two months ago this, Sige. What a cluster F. <laughs> Still better than AEW, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He knows yeah. what he's doing. <laughs> right. And normally I, I save the most outrageous comment for last. Thankfully, there's no, I mean, you, you can't like, slut shame a zombie or anything but you can write an essay on zombies in wrestling apparently thanks to Ziu Sudra who wrote this three years ago just settle in boys zombie gimmicks can't go far if you try to make them pass as realistic because of the impossibility to suspend disbelief and the many plot holes that come with it I mean if zombies exist how do they only run wild on the promotion also a legit zombie would just attack the audience not the wrestler book to fight them then as seen on the ECW episode they can't talk they can't cut any significant promo and they can't advance any feud in terms of in-ring performance they can't do much but try and pin down their opponent to try and dev devour him I literally can't think of any use other than a jobber even so zombies aren't supposed to sell pain all that much even when a limb's torn apart, which defeats the purpose to book an enhancement talent, as it's all about the in-ring psychology. No matter how much I break it, it can't work. A clone gimmick, on the other hand, imagine a madman thinking and acting as if he's a true zombie. Now that, I think, would work out. Give him a same manager as his mouthpiece, and you're all set. I'm sure this guy's responded to me on Twitter before. <laughs> <laughs> he does sound like he's, like, drafting his first script of, like, a YouTube explainer on The Fiend. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Thing is, they can't talk. He's not saying that in a way that they literally can't talk. He's saying it in that like wrestling fan way. I can't talk. <laughs> can't talk. Take that logic further, right? He can't talk because he has no brain function. <laughs> how is he going to learn how to wrestle to get signed by the biggest <laughs> major on the planet? How's he going to have the, the, the brain power to sign a contract? to understand the terms, to drive himself to wrestling school, to not eat the trainer of the wrestling school. I think you should have just not written anything. <laughs> Love that. You know, when you see those, like, needlessly fancy performance videos, yeah, we've even got an on-site nutritionist, so you can find out how to get more protein by eating brains. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks once again to Coach Mar for suggesting this week's five-star review review, though. If you want to suggest something short, crap, and less wrestling-related, subscribe to What Culture Wrestling and leave us a five-star review on there. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, we return to Monday Night Raw now. And, uh, well, they had a brief little video package or a video showcasing Johnny Gargano versus Bronson Reed and their cage match on NXT tonight. And then we had a, a meeting between the New Day and Riddle. Riddle had uh, requested that the New Day show up because he was going to show him a two-headed snake. And Randy Orton rolled in because he'd been told that he was going to have a meeting with uh, Postman Pierce. And Riddle, Riddle said, all right, I may have stretched the true truth a little bit. I just want to sort everything out, considering what happened with us uh, last week. He said, Riddle uh, Riddle said he thought Orton should apologise to the New Day. Orton said he wasn't sorry. Kofi Kingston said he wasn't surprised. And Kingston said, huh, Riddle, you need to watch out. You'll be on the end of an RKO one day. Uh, and Orton started getting in his face and I want to RKU you right now. And they said, oh, do you want to fight this out? Let's, let's take it back to 2009. Let's do this all over again. And then they, they announced that, yeah, they were going to have a match later and New Day left and Orton and Riddle just sort of awkwardly stood there. Oh, good. Yeah. Orton versus Kofi Kingston, Michael Sidgwick. I haven't seen that in a, a year. And uh, I just got, oh, Christ on the way. I've seen, this a million, I've seen this a million times. Didn't like one interaction beyond. The, I like two things about the Randy Orton versus Kofi Kingston feud. That one angle 12 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> And I also liked the idea that they could revisit it because it made a bit of sense. And then when they did revisit it, it was manifested in really boring 20-minute matches. And there were three of them. God damn it. It's, it's occurred to me that, like, Dolph Ziggler, who used to be the whipping boy for just pointless longevity, and he's faced everybody, so you kind of can't, like, there's nobody you can invest in Dolph Ziggler versus anybody anymore because he just fought everybody 10 times. It's unfair to pin it on Dolph Ziggler now. It's the entire roster. It's the whole goddamn roster. Take virtually any two wrestlers, put them together, and be like, Christ, I was sick of this in 2017. Like, it's it's just, it's just, every, like, they've done it. 2019. <laughs> they've done it with Damien, they've done it with Damien Priest here on this episode. And it's like a feud that started in 2021. And it's like, God, I'm sick of this match. <laughs> oh, I was just so sick of these people interacting. Everyone is Dolph Ziggler. Everybody. I was writing an article about something or other, this or that. And I was basically, I've been campaigning for this for years, right? 
never ever, please, if you're a loyal listener to this podcast, I want you to to be the change that I want to see in the world. Never ever call it X Pac Heat, right? The yeah. idea that X Pac Heat played a similar character that was kind of rendered passe by the fact that there was a new fleet of mid card, internationally flavored mid card talent, uh, more like more relevant, interesting talent than X Pac. He had the temerity to do the same act for like two years, and he got his career almost blighted for that when it wasn't even him doing it. It was a great <laughs> team. Like, if X-Pac continued on in that company under the same persona for like six or seven years, not two, he still wouldn't be as boring and as sort of stale as everyone in this company. X-Pac is essentially like Brock Lesnar between 2002, 2004. Like, just when he was starting to love him and just want him here for the long haul, he was gone. Like X Packy is basically WWE Heat. <laughs> Thankfully, though, that was all a load of bollocks. But uh, business was about to pick up because guess what came next? <laughs> Stop thinking of new ways to tear up. So Let's we can't protest it until it's happened. Lily's going to end up with an Enzo voice in about three months. <laughs> They're going to make, like you did that through a voice changer app, didn't you, Wilborn? Mm-hmm. They're going to make a Wilborn voice changer app where you'll be able to do your Lily in like your Nakamura or your Enzo, just based on like, we must have an app designer that can do that right now that listens to us. We're developing that. Uh, yeah, um, it was time for the age segment of the new Tag Team Champions pop onto Alexis Playground, which we've seen, seen oh, never, never before. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Tamina and Natalia are sat there. Uh, Natalia sat on one of the swings. Little Miss Bliss is on the other side with uh, with Lily, and uh, she's chatting to him about winning the tag titles on SmackDown. And Natalia's just answering it, just like, "Yeah, no, it was it was a great achievement." And, and you know, Tamina's uh, first first title, so yeah, pretty uh, pretty happy about that. Uh, Tamina's just not happy to be there. She's like, "Should we leave? Because it's just weird." Uh, but I said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa." I haven't even got to the hard questions yet. She said, uh, what's your favourite colour? Natalia said, your two faces, by the way, I'm going through this. Natalia said pink. Tamina said uh, black and blue, which is what your face is going to be if you uh, try anything. Brilliant. (laughs) Nailed it. Fantastic. Uh, She talked about, uh, Little Miss Bliss then talked about them taking out Reginald. Uh, She said, was it fun? Tamina said, yeah. She said, I'll swat him away again tonight if he tries to get involved. And she goes, oh, oh I love it when you swat a flying and squash it. And then I don't like this at all. It's horrible. <laughs> she talks some bollocks. I don't know. I lost interest if I'm perfectly honest at that point. Talk some bollocks. I mean, if Natalia and Tamina couldn't be asked to stick around and get some TV time, I'm not going to write down any notes for it. They walked off. And uh, Bliss suddenly realised they weren't there anymore, uh, despite the fact that these were, I think, Lily's favourite wrestlers, she said. But she said, don't worry, we will be watching. So, oh, this was dreadful, wasn't it? The, the, the child, like, oh, I love it when you squash your little fly and all that. What did you make an amplet? Oh, dear. Hey, Lily. I'm going to make you look like Reginald. <laughs> uh, right, yeah, this was this was miserable. And almost not even for, like, at least for five seconds, a character like Tamina being like, 
should we just like not be near this complete weirdo? <laughs> Nobody else has thought to do that yet. And I certainly would. So at least there was a human being there for a few seconds. But I just, like, yeah, we, I knew straight away it was something that you were going to make morbidly entertaining, Wilborn. So thank you for that. But just that script makes me cringe. Like, you know, pulling the wings off dead insects. That's like, that's the product of 20 bullied writers through Vince McMahon and onto television. Like the, the process couldn't feel more transparent when you hear about Lily collecting the wings of dead insects. Like it's not, it's just that like, if there's a big default box labeled weird and that's where all the ideas balls are for weird stuff. And the manatee is this week, swum in and found wings on dead insects. And that's <laughs> the way, like it just, I, I just couldn't hold that sort of process in like any more contempt. So, yeah, at least they were selling that she's weird. But, at the, like, I don't want to risk it sounding like I'm damning any of this with firm praise because, not of course it was rubbish. Like, of course it was just rubbish. What this is, is a group of, like, too many writers applying this incredibly shallow knowledge of a character archetype into wrestling where it doesn't belong. Just completely wrong. It's every serial killer origin story any, like that you've ever heard, like killing animals or torturing animals or a fascination with dead animals. And that's meant to be spooky. Well, it was, it was followed by something we got. Oh, te- a couple of dolphins flying. Seal <laughs> <laughs> flying, flying around. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> My name is Mr. Danielson. <laughs> What's your first name? Yeah. <laughs> oh. So, oh God, what I wouldn't have given for like five minutes of them talking about Buddy Peacock instead of dead insects. Oh God, I know. So next was Angel God versus Drew Gulak because they were like, well, we teased it last week. We have to deliver it now. We've had the rose kicked up the arse. Now it's time to have the rose down the throat. That's what happened. It was a two minute match. Gulak got a little bit of offense in straight away. Uh, drop kick, overheads exploded suplex, but then Gaza gets out, headbutts him, hip toss, hits the wing clipper, and shoves a rose in his mouth. I, like, remember when Braun Strowman tipped that ambulance over there? I think it had Roman Reigns in it. Imagine if, like, next week on Raw, he was like, and next week it's going to be even worse. And then he applies a side headlock. <laughs> like, he booted it clean up his ass. You can't then, like, put it in his mouth. Ah, take that. Like, I told you this was going to get worse. I was like, that wasn't as bad. You booted it right up my arsehole. If it was going to be worse than up your arsehole, it could be down your urethra. Yes, that's that's exactly where my head went. It was like, well, that's how you graduate. I don't want to watch it, but that's how it's going to happen. I'd watch it. like needs to worry about something going down his dick. (laughs) (laughs) How you doing? Uh, That's cack. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> the hilarious comedy continued uh, R-Truth backstage he, he, he's heard about an open challenge he thinks it's for his 24-7 championship which yeah it is because it's you defend it 24-7 but he finds out it's for Bobby Lashley he talks about Ricky Bobby and then uh, I'll, I'll give him his due Akira Tozawa army man crawling down the stairs in the background made me giggle slightly but then he just rolled up uh well, he rolled up um, R-Truth 
win the won the twenty four seven championship, and then said, "Huh, how are the turntables or something along those lines." Basically, anything you want to say about this, Sage? Um, no. Okay. Um, on our backlash quiz, Gareth, it's like very laid back and very placid. He he fired in with, "God, as a kid, as I've been a ninja for a year." <laughs> I couldn't get away from it. I, I was thinking about that a lot after the quiz, and I was reminded of it here. wonder when these giant ninjas are going to come back. That's what I <laughs> Anyway. Next up, it was time to get back in the time machine to watch Kofi Kingston versus Randy Orton. It was great, actually, because I was running a little bit late this morning. So this just made me think, oh, well, I've seen this literally a million times. I mean, it's, there was the funny visual of Riddle coming down on his scooter and, uh, you know, I still do quite like RK, bro. Uh, I like Adnan Verk as well saying, I think it's a good idea for Kofi Kingston to take on Randy Orton. Well, why wouldn't it be? He's faced him a million times before. So, <laughs> and he's, they're both wrestlers. It's not, anyway, there's a bit of a botch. I think they were meant to do some sort of leapfrog thing and Kofi Kingston, stupid just hit Orton in the face with his hip and then they just redid it. Orton hit a power slam. Woods played his trombone and Kingston got a uh, schoolboy ball. <laughs> that was it. That was it. Uh, Orton's angry. Riddle gets in between them. Orton looks, you know, looks like maybe he's going to RKO Riddle. Doesn't, walks off. And then uh, Woods grabs, Woods grabs, uh, or goes to grab Orton and Riddle just shoves him over. And that's it. That's five minutes have passed at least. We're close to the end. Pamphlet. This is a man who, about a month ago, wrestled a match minutes, a commercial break after standing on the post and coughing up black goo. Tar came from that man's body. He's like, shake it off. I've got to work. <laughs> Somebody played a trombone in his proximity. <laughs> like, that's what happened. He got a bit of live music. Christ, I'd like some. Like, and that was it. Like the black goo shook it off. Like, this is what we talk about when we talk about standards. Like, I'm not even, this is not, like, imagine some dick on Twitter being like, oh, God, that was five years ago. Come on, let it go. We don't all remember every single last little detail. This was the build to Randy Orton's last feud. <laughs> and he's put a coffee store on because of music. Piss off. On a night where the presumed intention is to, I guess, babyface Kofi Kingston head of a TV match that will feed into Drew versus Lashley 3 at this point. You set up the interim babyface challenger by having him win two matches via interference. Unfairly. <laughs> The best and worst thing about this job is that I can just sit here and do no analysis for a short, unworthy of it. <laughs> and I can just say, that oh, was a match. Yeah, it was, it was a five-minute Randy Orton versus Kofi Kingston match. And it kills me to have to actually live through the experience of watching this, but I can get paid to accurately say, yeah, it was just a match that they didn't care about because when Shayna Baszler, speaking on Renee Paquette's podcast, and she tried to work a TV match God, within her own style, guys, and uh, Vince McMahon backstage was like, do that again, that's crap. <laughs> and then Natalia was like, Christ, I know, I know the beats around here. Like, I'll show you what happens. They work the most WWE match you've ever seen. 
and Vince McMahon afterwards is gushing in his praise of Shayna Baszler's ability to fit in and do a WWE match that everyone's already seen. And he said to Shayna, you can do some more stuff with the pay-per-view, but it's only Raw. And I'm watching this match thinking, that's only Raw, so I can just say, yeah, I, I, know, I, know I know what goes into this, and it's mm. pathetic. So, yeah, just a match. I'm going to say that for the rest of the matches on the show as well. Actually, no, some of them were good. Uh, all the losers were backstage uh, moaning to Sonya Deville and Adam Pearce. Oh, what a tag title shot. You've all had tag title shots. You all lost. You all I, lost. I need these people to shut up. <laughs> so did Charlotte. Yeah, you want to shut up, Dana. I'm on Raw. <laughs> <laughs> Bottled it completely. Yeah, so Naomi and Lana are there. Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke are there. Uh, Rose and Brooke want to say they want the next shot of the tag titles. Why are they getting a rematch tonight, basically? Charlotte Flair just walks in, says, you've all blown your chances. Brooke went, hmm, you did the same last night. She went, what was that? Uh, nothing. <laughs> then, then. Uh, said, don't worry about it. I'll uh, determine the challenges after tonight's match. That'd be all right. It'd be fine. Who cares? You might as well have said, who cares? Ah, who cares? We'll sort it out later. Um, she said, oh, can everyone leave so I can speak to Charlotte? Charlotte said, oh, I want a singles match. What? You didn't? And, it's, and to be fair, they went, well, hang on. No, why would you have a singles match? You didn't win. She went, yeah, but I didn't get pinned. And she went, oh, well, I'll tell you what. You beat Asuka tonight and you can have your shot. Ripley walks in. Said, I don't care about you. I want new competition. You're yesterday's news. Uh, and then Charlotte said, Oh, well, just like the 13 times when I've won and then subsequently lost this title, could happen again when we face off. No one came out of this looking good, did they, Sige? It's a procession of people I can't stand. <laughs> you know, I can, I like, I've all liked them. Well, yeah, Rhea and Charlotte once upon a time, but it's a procession of people that I am asked to hate involuntarily by their wildly inept creative process. I deserve an opportunity to win a title you win by fighting because I'm, in my head, the best fighter. Merest threat of a fight materializes. Oh, no, I'm scared of that. Pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> Objective evidence mounts up of why you shouldn't get the shot of fighting. Yeah, well, let me just fight again. Just one more. <laughs> I, what's happened here is that they've learned that it's canon to hate this as an um, as a contractor of the company, and they've all realised. I oh, you know those promos that used to get over when you're like, oh god, you're getting oppressed by this system. Like saying that WWE is bad is like shorthand for trying to get a shot. It's just it's, this company's eating itself. <laughs> I also as well, um, I thought this on uh, Backlash, by the way. When After the match finished, I thought it was pretty good. Um, flawed, but good. When Rhea Ripley was celebrating, and you could hear it because of the thunder that it was doing, nah, 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 sticking a finger to her nose or stuff like that. I've not thought less of her work since that promo did the rounds of her as a baby face from the first May Young Classic where she kind of didn't know exactly who she was. She was a long way from becoming the nightmare and the thing that got over in NXT. Like, her regression, and I, I barely put any of it in her lap, to be honest, but her regression, like, since coming to the main roster, like, makes her 2020 NXT run look like it was taking place in 2015 NXT. Honestly, like, Christ, I, Christ, I wouldn't mind a bit of the Robert Stone brand feud compared <laughs> to what I've had from Rhea Ripley on, like, in 2021. Jesus Christ. Like, what an... 
like I wish it wasn't already a nickname. What a nightmare of tone her mm. character is to just try and grab onto anything. It, like I, it's it's a like I, I'm not like maddened by much on this show because you you're dulled to it. Your senses are dulled, mm. but I'm saddened by it. Like I feel sad at what I'm watching when I'm trying to enjoy Ray Ripley at the moment. So then we got the tag team title match, uh, an Italian Tamina versus Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. And I said to myself at the start of this match, I wonder who's going to eat the pinfall in this. Hmm. Three minutes. Uh, Tamina <laughs> knocks Nia Jax off the apron. Baszler puts her in the Kirifuda clutch. Then who should appear on the stream, on the, on the, uh, not on the screen, actually on the stage. Uh, but Little Miss Bliss, she's there. She's holding Lily. Kane shows up, apparently. Or something happens because fire shoots out of one of the ring posts near Reginald. He falls back off the ring steps because he looked like he was going to get involved. He's selling his face. Baszler just lets go of a finisher as a result of all this. And then Natalia tags in. They give Baszler a heart attack. One, two, three. Natalia and Tamina retain the women's tag team titles. And Jax is there comforting Reginald whilst that awful... Uh, <laughs> hang on, I'll just record myself and do this. one second. No, I'll not, I'll not, I'll, I'll save that for next week. You'll have to listen to the raw review next week to get that. But the, the little it's the listeners off. I, do, I just hated everything here. Is it me? Either. Uh, <laughs> I, I need a piss. Oh, god, we're playing chicken there, and he's won by going to the toilet. I yeah, I hate it. What got me most here was that it is very evidently Shayna Baszler, who they see as the sacrificial one from the Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax team, because why didn't they book this the other way around? What, Nia Jax is the only one that cares about Reginald. Yeah. So why was it not Nia Jax in the ring yeah. who thought, oh God, I best go to the aid of Reginald? Shayna Baszler should look at that and be like, look what's happened to that tit. Anyway, I'm currently to clutching my way to getting the belts back. So I'm just going to stay put right here. But that's not how they see it. They see Shane Baszler as the um, disposable member of the team, the dispensable one to take pins and, well, uh, you know, probably be the... F- I cannot believe I'm going to say this. Probably be the first victim of the Alexa Bliss deal, yeah. seeing as that's two weeks in a row, that um, it's Shane Baszler that's been the kind of the victim of it. And hashtag LTST... Looks to me like Alexa and Lily are going to win the old tag titles. <laughs> does even. Lily obviously was a fan of those when Alexa was a kid, when those belts didn't exist. And uh, that can surely be the hashtag long-term storytelling that they're building to here, is uh, getting those belts on those swings. And then Nikki Cross, I'm being like, Alexa, what are you doing? She's a doll. And Alexa's like, I know. <laughs> I know I'm having more success with her than I was with you. Isn't that strange? And she's going to be like, oh, bye then. Like, I, I can't see this going any other way but that. Because um, she's also, as you really quite terrifyingly pointed out, provided those laughter, like dot MP3s <laughs> over, the, over top of the celebration, which again, to me, it appears to be the only one coming out of this with any credibility because Natalia's like, hold the belts up, hold the belts up, Vince is watching. And she's like, am I not supposed to sell the fact that there's some giggles dropping through the music right now? Like, so yeah, she's selling that at least. Going to make a black and blue, isn't she? No, Alexa and Lily going to win the belts. <laughs> Can't wait for this, by the way. <laughs> Cannot wait for Lily to win a, a championship in WWE. <laughs> Cannot wait. Like Roddy Piper didn't. 
Uh, did he? He was at Intercontinental Champion, wasn't he? Not the Intercontinental title. Briefly, of, course yeah. of course he did. But he waited like... Harley Race didn't. Eight, nine years. Harley Race didn't. Jesus Christ. Um, did you see what happened on the kickoff show of WrestleMania Backlash, by the way? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what the f- was yeah. that about? <laughs> well, it came next. As I as we alluded to on the preview yesterday, Sidge, I said, oh, well, Sheamus wants some revenge, despite the fact he won and retained his... It wasn't even title match, but won his match on the kickoff show. Sheamus comes out. He is furious for Ricochet putting his, I think he said, grubby little paws on uh, on his clothes. He wanted his stuff back. They cut to Sarah Schreiber is in the back with Ricochet. They showed you what happened. He lost the match. And then he put his hat and his jacket for a bit and dabbed with it, I think. Ricochet wanted to shut up Sheamus once and for all. She asked him about the, the accusation from Sheamus and he said, yeah. And uh, came in wearing him again. He said, uh, I've stolen them. I've yep, done that. I've definitely done that. Um, because it makes me feel like Ernest the Catmiller. And then he did a really offensive accent, which I thought was inappropriate, if I'm honest. If I'm really honest. He did not need to do fake Irish accent. That's out of order, that, isn't it? Anyway, Sid, what did you think of this promo before we get to the match? I hate him. I find <laughs> this more offensive than zombies. Like, it's just the way this company builds and presents its baby faces. Baby faces are the draws of professional wrestling. I just hate this guy. Like, quite vehemently on a level that I don't usually get. We talk a lot about how numb we are and how desensitized we are to how rubbish this is and how little buzz there is. Um, I keenly felt my hatred towards the presentation of this Ricochet character. He lost clean in the middle. He decided to be a na-na-na-na-na guy. His patter is abysmal. He is so detestable. He's so entitled to what? You lost? He's just a little knob. A knob of a book. And you know what? There is this tragic, like tragic comic attempt on the part of Mustafa Ali and Ricochet to like tell their own story around their feud that they're having on main event, right? And like Ricochet's he's going out there, he's putting in the he's putting in the hours, he's like cutting promos. Um just before him and Catanzaro, who's presumably filming them, just go to the pub. Um, <laughs> been doing since like March 28th, 2020. Um, and you know what? Like they aren't bad at all. He's got a bit of attitude about him, confidence. It's not great promo work because no one, you can't promote main event. Those things are oxymoronic, but he's cutting promos by himself to build this feud. And they're not actually that bad at all. Like they're decent. And they've got him doing this. I enjoyed watching the process fail yet again because I always think of that video. It's like, uh, have you seen my um, backflip I can do from a cross-leg seat position? Now about your Irish accent. I love that. Like, I, I love that. Like, that that vested interest in finding what people can't do and then showing it off to the world because <laughs> <laughs> this is a wrestling promotion in reverse. I love it. Um, yeah, I... Like, I got, you know, there was some schadenfreude here because I just felt Ricochet was so infuriating on on that kickoff match in that whole thing. 
Um, it was non-title, wasn't it? Seamus's whole deal was. Yeah. That character's a mess as well, because I love his matches so much. The character's a mess. Like, I'm hard as nails. I prove it all the time. But I'm apparently also a coward because we only have one way to have heels and one way to have baby faces, and none of them really make sense. So, like, couldn't... Like, I know this goes against what we'd say normally. Couldn't Ricochet have won the non-title match? Mm-hmm. And then set up the title. Like, oh, I don't know. I'd Like, I... Crap. Just just crap. So Seamus immediately tries to jump him as he comes out. Ricochet dodges it. Uh, Ricochet's in control. Then Seamus gets uh, gets back into it with a, with a clothesline. Uh, later on, Ricochet hits a Spanish fly that looks really rough on Seamus. He's selling the leg. Lands a bit awkwardly, basically. Ricochet gets a standing shooting star for a two count. Seamus gets his knees up on a springboard moonsault. Ricochet goes up top, so... Seamus rolls to the outside and Ricochet dives onto him. Uh, Ricochet hits a springboard 450 splash for a near fall, tries another move, but Seamus hits him uh, with a mid-air knee strike. One, two, I'm not sure if that was meant to be the finish or not, but regardless, Ricochet just kicks out. Uh, and then Seamus followed up with a brutal bro kick for the victory. Post-match, Seamus gets on the mic and says how good that felt. And uh, he loves gold, but one of his shoulders is uh, missing it. And maybe he's going to be on to challenge Bobby Lashley tonight uh, for the WWE Championship. Any thoughts on the match, uh, Hamlet? It was sort of like the ba- similar to what they did on the kickoff with some bigger moves, I suppose. Yeah, I, um, I really like this. I thought the same as you about the finish. And yet I wasn't put off by no. that. Um, Ricochet is amazing at bumping for the sort of stuff Seamus does. And I got like, they've got terrific physical chemistry. Seamus does with a lot of people. And half the time, it's just because you wonder that we know how much he lays it in. So maybe he just really, really knacks. Um, got a lot of this. Love watching Seamus work. He remains the like fleeting antidote to an otherwise disease-ridden episode of Raw. I just really, really like his matches, even though I think his character makes no sense and neither does this story. Yeah, given the dynamic... It's a great dynamic for a pro wrestling match, and they realise the potential of that dynamic in cruel, fleeting glimpses across Sunday and Monday. But here's the thing. Ricochet could work five-star matches on Raw, and I would still hate him because of the way <laughs> was presented. So no matter how well they did to work to the strengths of what this pairing could yield, I don't care. I, just can't, I can't care about this knob. What a dick, man. Well, to cheer you up next, it was Mason T-Bar cutting a promo. Yes. Tell you what they said? I'll yes, get it. They said every year, every time it's got an expiration date, and tonight my philosophy pays his debts. Everything that lives is designed to end. They just, just left to decide which one of us ends Bobby Lashley's legacy, and they tossed a coin, and catch it, and smile, and say, tonight, we're terrible night to be Bobby Lashley. And then... We get the new version of uh, less, more like Veer Moore, superhero, more like supervillain, almighty. <laughs> Bobby Lashley's title is going to be all done when we're finished with him. Nailed it. Sid, your thoughts. My favourite thing about this, right, is that T-Bart is so useless. <laughs> so useless. Like, useless to the point where it just becomes hilarious. He doesn't get that you can't emphasise every word. You emphasize one, right? You can't emphasize everything. That's not how emphasis works, right? Time to strike. It just emphasizes every word like an idiot. 
all caps, isn't it? His promos. Yeah, all caps emphasizes every word so that nothing feels emphasized. This is a guy who like puts like eight tablespoons of salt in his food. <laughs> I'm surprised he doesn't. Oh, he probably does. Yeah. Food of a slug. He's a tosser. They're um they're the ascension, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I eagerly await a legends reunion where the APA batter these two as well. <laughs> APA T <laughs> gets his head clotheslined off. We can hit off. Then we got wobbly. Like go on. <laughs> You got Asuka versus Charlotte Flair next. Uh, weird bit in this where Charlotte, I think, went for a Spanish fly, but Asuka held on, so Charlotte just gave herself a Spanish fly, which kind of tickled me. And I think, did she try and do her other off spinning back elbow at one point? It was a really... There's a guy, do you follow him, Gran Akuma on Twitter? No. Like, really good follow, um, because he's a former professional wrestler, and he'll kind of watch everything, like, in really good faith. And he's just got right good opinions. Just a good Twitter follow. Um, he was defending that spot, and I'm glad someone did because it did the rounds. Of course, it did, but it betrayed what was actually like a really committed and bloody damn good match. Um, yeah. He said that it was going to be a Spanish fly attempt. It wasn't a very good version of the spot, but what they were trying to do was Asuka was meant to hold on to the ropes, like you know when you see a uh, Hurricane Rana. Mm. And yeah, hold on, and the person just takes it. It was a bad version of that, but holding on, and Charlotte took like the Spanish fly by herself. Didn't look good, but um, I trust that guy's opinion on that. Um, but you know what? I just feel bad watching this because they're working at a kind of a blistering pace by WWE TV standards. They're going the distance, like they're working their asses off, arriving at what is a pretty damn very good, not great, but like very good TV match. And I was watching it thinking, like, how could I possibly care? I watched two of them work a 16-minute match like 24 hours ago. Mm. Yeah, I, I can't pretend that I had any like great emotional investment in this, but I liked I liked the match. I liked the mechanics of it. I, I didn't mind stuff that felt clunky. Um because they've got like really, really good chemistry. I like watching them work. Um, like, I like watching them work like little reversal sequences. Mm. I think like that sort of knee bar, like transitioning the triangle choke. Charlotte went into there, was it a cloverleaf or a Boston Crab? Boston Crab, yeah. You know each other so well and like you, you buy it as well, which is really important to those segments. You've got to believe that they're fighting for it. And I do. And off the back of this, it's like again, it's sort of faint praise because I don't like the angle. I don't like any anything about the story or where any of this is going. Maybe like Charlotte's getting a groove back, and that's great because what this division relies on is for you to <laughs> like have no respect for the story and be like grateful for the pairing or grateful for the graphic. And like this is crap, but like this division's so loaded with talent, at least the match is going to be good. Mm-hmm. And like we did the backlash preview, Wilborn, and I was saying my biggest dread for the triple threat was that the match was going to be rubbish because when you start losing faith in something like Charlotte, Asker, and Rhea Ripley delivering, this division's got nothing. It's got literally nothing about it. So maybe this is Charlotte like finally finding some form. Uh, it's just a pity that the storytelling is minging, as it was again here with the 
detestable Rhea Ripley, but I don't think it was detestable in that way that you're supposed to hate heels. I don't think it was that at all. I just, I just didn't know what I was watching with her. Or Charlotte, for that matter, because she's doing the... I made that belt arrogance in one breath and then getting beat and having it like... She's got Charlotte Flair has to fight from underneath the oppressive regime of Sonya Deville to get another shot of the title or whatever it is. Like the characters do not make any sense at all. Yeah, it's yeah. all bad. They fought to the outside and then they did the classic. The champion's there, sitting there. Charlotte goes face to face with her. Asuka tries to attack. Charlotte chucks her back in the ring, has a moment with Rhea Ripley. Uh, Asuka kicks Charlotte into the ropes Ripley jumps on the apron Charlotte kicks her down Asuka then small packages Charlotte Flair for the victory on we go uh, and uh, it was John Morrison in the back fine absolutely fine after what happened at Wrestlemania backlash uh, but uh, he said it's felt like someone's picking at his brain like he's dead like he's rotting inside and the Miz will never be the same well, that's why he's dedicating tonight's match to his memory, wherever he is, because he had a lumberjack match with Damian Priest. There are few worse wrestlers than John Morrison to no-sell disembowelment. Look at his abs. <laughs> they look like the opposite of, like, Eaton. Don't you think? Equally, equally there are a few worse wrestlers to say the phrase never be the same than than the Miz. It's going to be exactly the same. In the same <laughs> of in life. We're stuck with that guy. <laughs> And have that you still love him as well. I know. I'm saying something. I, I say that as somebody that likes him. <laughs> He's going to be the same. He's going to be the A-lister. He's going to do that point thing. His, his trunks are going to say Miz. It's <laughs> going to be exactly the same. So we got the Lumberjack match. Uh, Lumberjacks were Akira Tozawa, T-Bar, Mace, uh, Mansoor, the Viking Raiders, who I just was look at, looking at them, by the way. The Viking Raiders going, oh, yeah, didn't they like win? Come back, win loads, and then just stop wrestling. Yeah. Come on, Mace, let's stand ringside. <laughs> <laughs> it's a jaw. The rules are year two. <laughs> Nikki Cross was there. He went, Oh, look, it's Nikki Cross. Before oh, we get, before we get to the match, I have to say that the energy at ringside was very much the same as when you see like Sergeant Slaughter and Tatanka kicking about with like. Eve Torres on Legends Night. <laughs> There's T-Bar, right? Mace, right? Okay. Viking Vic Raiders, right? Okay, where have they been? Mansoor, Nikki Cross, what the hell is Nikki Cross doing there? And literally, they just thought, how many people are here? You, me, yeah, go on. <laughs> it was just such an indictment of like what's going on because then there was like Shelton and Cedric were there. Mustafa Ali and T-Bar and Mace were there. They all just went, no, 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 come on. We've been employed to be lumberjacks. I mean, they gave us our own dressing room on, on Sunday night, but that unfortunately got taken over by zombies. Lucha House Party was there. The only really respectable person there was, of course, Titus O'Neil, who was just looked incredible. Um, Priest keeps coming out of the ring, or Geek's getting chucked out of the ring and attacked by Mace and T-Bar. Uh, and Priest eventually fights off Morrison and then wipes out both of them with a dive. Of course, Cedric Alexander attacks Sean Benjamin. Big brawl, big gathering of people outside which allowed priest to superplex morrison to the outside uh eventually priest hits a hurricane right on morrison hit the lights one two three and post-match thank god damien priest says i think it might be time to move on from Miz and morrison <laughs> uh and he said he might answer bobby lashley's open challenge later finally sitch it's over 
Indeed. I can't really remember raw matches hours after they happened. I just can't. Um, I did like how they built a spot around one of Damien Priest's coolest things, which is the step-up somersault sent on that he does to the outside. That was good. They, this was a minimum of one match too many in the Damien Priest and Morrison series, like a minimum. But they are not botching him yet. He's in the worst match of the year. He's fine. Look, like look at tonight. Look, uh, oh, I might have a title shot, and then he like winks at the interviewer. Nothing does matter. You're right. Things going well for Damien Priest. Yeah, um, that's how the commentators present him. The zomb- zombie match included. They are not screwing him up yet. I'm not terribly entertained by any of it, but you know he hasn't been dropped on his head yet. So creatively, I mean, I don't want anybody to get injured. Obviously. Hmm. Uh... There's another new Eva Marie video. We had the previous one from last week aired earlier on in the show. Uh, she said she wanted to take heroin or something. No, she wanted to be a heroin, sorry. Uh, like Angelina Jolie. It's that's some more bollocks, who cares? Uh, and then we got Sheldon Benjamin getting interviewed backstage. He was asked about Cedric Alexander. Didn't want to talk about him. He wanted to face Bobby Lashley. He was going to answer the open challenge, face him for the title. Alexander comes in, slow claps Benjamin, says... <laughs> You think you're some sort of legend after you got a fluke min- win over me? There's a reason everyone abandons you. You're worthless. And you just got chinned. Benjamin decked him with one punch, and that was it. You are worthless, man, that beat me. That's just... Is it made it on so much in one show that you, you're just numb to it, honestly. Oof. It is main event time now, Sige. Uh Thank goodness. They come out, they uh, say, who's going to answer the challenge? No music plays initially. MVP goes, guess no one fancies it. Yeah, 10 blokes have all... Anyway, we talked about it earlier. Kofi Kingston, the New Day's music hits. Kofi Kingston comes out. Uh, Lashley called him crazy whilst the announcer said, oh, you already wrestled earlier on tonight. And then just before the match starts, MVP goes, oh, by the way, it's not a title match. But How does he get the pick? Bell rings. Uh, Lashley immediately gives Kingston a spine buster and bid. I would be so funny if it... One, two, three. There you go. Well, you shouldn't have wrestled earlier, should you, dickhead? Um, so uh, Kingston fights out of the delayed vertical suplex, kicks Lashley out of the ring. Big die to send us to the break. And then they come back from the break and go, see, never actually said title match, knobheads, <laughs> with the little, the little uh, replay from what happened earlier on in the night. Uh, Woods hits the trombone distraction again. That allows uh, Kingston to send Lashley uh, or to drive him into the apron. And then Lashley immediately comes back and hits a dominator and then throws Kingston into the ring post. Lashley's got Kingston on his shoulders on the outside and Woods just helps him down. The ref goes, Oof, not a DQ, but you can leave. Why isn't it a DQ? Interfering in the match, but okay. Uh, Woods is arguing with the ref. MVP pulls back to, to nail Kingston with the, with the cane that he's got. Who should come in though but McIntyre? takes it away from MVP, hits Lashley in the gut with it. That allows Kingston to schoolboy Bobby Lashley for the victory. And that's the end of Raw, I suppose, Hamlet. I thought this was pretty drab. Why didn't um, Xavier Woods use a trombone to distract Bobby Lashley? He'd proven so successful like an hour and a half earlier. And earlier on in the match. Yeah. Uh, I don't, this was really boring. Really 
uncharacteristically boring from like what they would have absolutely considered a fresh pairing. We've seen like Bobby Lashley and Drew ad nauseum. We've seen Bobby Lashley and Braun Strowman ad nauseum. Generally speaking, pretty much not since Bobby Lashley lost the United States title has he been mixing back in with like the smaller guys that you can do different and fun stuff with. I thought this went by, like, can you be angry with Kofi Kingston? He's working his second match of the night, you know, but like, I just thought like the pacing of this was way off. I don't know if they just like, didn't feel particularly on the same page or just nobody could be asked or it's a, a victim of this. We're tearing up and starting again half an hour before the show goes on the air. So how can the wrestlers possibly be invested if they thought they're doing something totally different before? I don't know what it was, um, but I didn't think this was particularly great. And if they're trying to, obviously it's still Drew. It's going to be Drew at the pay for you or anything. Mm-hmm. But if they're going to try and get some sort of like mini program, maybe out of this, I don't know. Like if this is going to drag the new day into this briefly, they've sort of lost me at week one. Yeah, I'll keep this brief because I'm hungry. Um, the idea is that Kofi Kingston is going to get over. He did a dive in this match that I thought was absolutely on point. That'd be nice, right? Mm. But if the idea was to get Kofi Kingston over is this interim challenger having fought through two huge scalps. They don't even treat them as scalps. He's been Randy Orton and Bobby Lashley in the same night. Like, it got boring, very boring after a while. But Chris Jericho used to say something not too dissimilar mm. for like 15 years. <laughs> He's beaten Randy Orton and Bobby Lashley in the same night. There's no consequence to any of this realistically. Uh, no one ever is going to be on Twitter saying, Christ, about Popnoff. Mutants, but like no one in their right mind is gonna say, Jesus Christ, it's been Randy Orton and Bobby Lashley, current reigning WWE champion, one of the biggest legends in the company. God, I've ever seen in Randy Orton. No one gives a f- because nothing means anything, and yet they still manage to be bad, worse than they ever have been week on week. This is meant to be a big achievement, and they finished both of those matches by getting this baby face over as an interim challenger with two heel finishes. <laughs> it's- Absolutely ridiculous, and uh, yeah, we, we are numb to this so numb that we amuse ourselves mostly during the podcast. We'll try and keep our insights to tell you exactly how bad it is and why. We are not really prepared to enjoy the show, I think it's fair to say, because this company has told us to fuck off about a million times over the past like at least 10 years. We're coming up to the anniversary of the first off, which is the pipe bomb, so that's going to be a bit of a think piece I'm working on, hopefully. If you're watching this show, you're probably thinking, I've pinned Bobby Lashley? Roman Reigns would never get pinned under those circumstances, mm. ever. So you've already been told, all right, okay, don't go too in on your Bobby Lashley love because they've just beaten him by roll up in five minutes. Like the one thing that people can say about this show objectively is that they've done a good job, an effective job of building Bobby Lashley. I think some of that's reflected in the ratings, which have held steady, which hasn't happened um on Raw after WrestleMania for a long old time. And they've uh, screwed that one up as well. <laughs> it's all right, though, lads. It's all going to be fixed because uh, I'm not sure if you saw the news today, but uh, we might be getting new sets for Raw and SmackDown. So all is good there. Bring back the fist. Bring back the fist. It's like Thunderdome era because they literally debuted a new looking Thunderdome the night after WrestleMania. So people got tired of this version of it after six weeks. Yeah. I just love the thought process, but it makes me laugh. New new set. I mean, do we not need to go move past 2009 with Randy Orton having matches with um, Kofi Kingston and Tamina getting pushed and Natalia still being around and uh, 
No, no, your new set. <laughs> all of that, all like long, long discussion of everything wrong with it, and then somebody just like storms in with a backwards baseball cap and goes skate ramp. Brings <laughs> <laughs> points back. Skate ramp, and that's what we get. Well, there we go. Uh, let us know your thoughts on Monday Night Raw on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Why I say you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcast from for daily wrestling podcasts, including our NXT preview, which will be down, out later on today. Uh, and if you want to suggest a five-star review review, just like Coach Marv did. Thanks again, Coach Marv. Uh, yeah, we need to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling and leave us a five-star review on iTunes, suggesting something short, crap, and wrestling-related. But this has been the Raw Review. My thanks to the Dadley Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 